Good morning to you. Welcome to Get Up With God. It's a beautiful morning for you to get into the Bible. I'm glad to be with you today, and I'm excited to get into the Word with you. Today's discussion, we're going to be talking about 17 things that will keep you out of heaven. 17 things that will keep you out of heaven. I want to talk to you about those today. It's a very important subject. I want to make a little light of it so it's not as heavy as it could be, but I want to discuss with you these with you these things so as to prevent you from falling into these traps that the enemy would have you get into and what some of the things that the Lord warns us about on these particular subjects. I've got a list of them that we're going to go into, but I want to start with a few points. Dylan, how in the world can you keep 17 things into six points, uh, maybe seven this morning, uh, but we've got one of the points is just the 17, so we'll be able to get through the other five pretty quickly. But uh, great to be with you this morning. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe on my YouTube channel. We're on the race to 1,000 before the end of the year. We've gained over 100 subscribers, I believe, in the past roughly about two, two and a half weeks just by some of the content we've been posting. So we are well on our way there. But be sure to share the post, hit the like button, and turn on the notification bell every time I go live in case I post you know, post a random off stream or something like that every once in a while. But thank you for everybody that joins and watches the show. But let's get into this. Point number one, today's discussion, 17 things that will keep you out of heaven. Point number one is pruning. God is going to prune you. Say that word out loud, prune. The, the King James Version actually uses the word purge, which is to strip away something from. But the word prune in the Greek is katharia which means to cleanse, to cleanse. I want you to turn with me in your Bible into the book of John, the 15th chapter. We're going to go there first. The book of John, the 15th chapter. It's in the New Testament. If you're not familiar with the word, if you're new to reading the Bible, John is the fourth book in the New Testament, which would be uh, right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then finally John. John 15, turn to verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Say that out loud, more fruit. That it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. One of the things that sticks out to me in this is, isn't God a God of increase? Doesn't he increase us? Absolutely he does. But there's a lot of times in our life that he has to begin to cleanse things out of our lives, which is what this Greek term means, which is to cleanse or to remove things from our life as to be able to make room for better growth. I did a little research on this word prune and what it does for vegetation. I never really understood that. Why Why do things need to be pruned? Why do we need to, you know, if you're a horticulturist, this is kind of a rhetorical question I'm asking to the live audience, but why do things need to be pruned? I mean, why, why is that necessary to be done but i after reading about these and some of some of the nation's biggest article of uh, 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 horticultural websites and articles that i went through it's interesting the necessity to stimulate new growth is to get rid of bad growth i'll let that, let that sink in for a minute one of the most integral pieces of new growth in your life is removing parts of growth that are in your life that prevent better growth Things that stop things. So it's still growth in your life. 
You know, it's still things that grow. It's still things that are increasing in your life, but God finds it necessary to sever those things to make room for better things that you need in your life. That's a powerful subject. Point number two, let's look at this. Point number two is God desires your growth. God desires your growth. He desires for you to grow. He desires for you to increase. He desires for you to get better, to go higher. He doesn't want you to stay stagnant in the things of life. He doesn't want you to stay stagnant in where you are complacently or even satisfied with where you are. He wants you to continually grow. One of the one of the prophetic words that was in our has been in our church since 2022 at the end of 2022 prophesied into the year 2023 which isn't over by the way i want you to remember that this year is not over there's still time left in this year for god to increase for him to grow you and to to bring you to levels that you didn't think were possible to go to but i'm telling you this i believe god put this this in my spirit in a word for people today especially right here at the last quarter of the year right here at the end of the year that he is, you are going to have to have things severed off of your life in order for you to reach and attain the next level for your life. There's going to have to be things that get severed off, things that you may have even added to your life, things that you may have thought were necessary in your life. If you bring it to God, he may say, sever this particular thing. And there may be other things that he t- requires you to sever off of your life in order for you to, to, to get to the highest place that you can. Now I'm getting to this point, these 17 things that will keep you out of heaven because it doesn't only stop growth in your life. And I'm leading up to this, this subject. It doesn't necessarily just stop growth in your life. It will actually cause you to go backwards if these things stay in your life. Uh, God said, if you don't produce fruit, this is, there's a danger in this. If you don't produce fruit, then there's going to be a severing of you from the branch. That's what he says here in John 15. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But is my glo- it, But this by my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. So it's essential that we bear much fruit in our life, that we bear a lot of fruit in our life, or otherwise we take the risk of being completely severed and cut off from what God has. Did I just say that? Did I say that to you that without bearing fruit in your life, you run the risk of being cut off from God? No, I didn't say that. We just read that out of the gospel of John in the New Testament of our Bible, that God will sever those that don't bear fruit. It's not okay to not bear fruit. We have to make sure we do that. Point number three, point number three is there's addition by subtraction, addition by subtraction. This is essential that you need to understand that. God will gain, will add to you. God will add to your life by subtracting things out of it that don't need to be there. This is one of the ways that God grows you. He increases you by removing things that are not necessary in your life. Things that are required to be in your life for growth may require some other things being taken out of your life. You know, if there's things, if there's sin in your life that's holding you back, we're we're about to talk about these things. Uh, God is there to help you. There's, there's spiritual power available to you to 
help purge and remove and cut off things, not just sin, but anything that would stop promoting health uh, and, and growth in your life. That needs to be severed off and it will take the help and power of the Holy Ghost to be able to do it. It's not going to be, you will not be able to do it on your own power because there's a powerful dark force working against you to stop you from growing in the things of God. And so it's going to take a more powerful source, a more powerful spirit, which is God, his spirit, the Holy Spirit within you to stop this demonic force from taking you out in life. So many people get caught up in life with things that approach them and then they find themselves in the middle of it. That's the unfair thing about humanity is the enemy is a spirit and he doesn't need, he's not bound by uh, the same limitations that you as a human are. The enemy is a spirit as well. And so the, the enemy's demonic force will creep its way into your life unsuspecting a lot of times and you'll find yourself in the midst of these things because you're not guarded, you know, using like the armor of God that we read about in Galatians, the, the equipment, the things that God has equipped us with to fight against the things that the enemy comes against us with. It is essential for you and me to fight against the attacks of this enemy that he has on our life. Point number four, we're finally getting to point number five, which is these 17 points I want to go over. Point number four is God pays close attention to his garden. God pays close attention to his garden. You're part of his garden. You are part of God's garden. You're not just some random offshoot, some, you know, I don't know, a lot of, there's a lot of people that think they're a special breed of Christian in the planet. You're not, you're part of the garden of God. You're part of the things of God that are the kingdom of God. And he is a, my point here and what point number four is God is a good, what the Bible calls husbandman which is a vine tender. He, he is a vine dresser. He, is a, he attends to his garden. He makes sure there's no weeds within it. And then he lets certain things grow within his garden so that as when the time comes, he can gather them all up and separate out the good and the bad. Uh, this is a very powerful method that God has used for today's society. He is a good gardener. He makes sure that his garden is pure. He makes sure that his garden is thriving. And he's, it's clear what he's told us here in John 15. Jesus told us he will cut off those things or pluck out of the garden those things that do not bear fruit. And then he gives us the antidote for the ability to bear fruit. And even Paul talks about that, which we're about to read in a, a, the book of Ephesians. The things that are essential to staying away from so that the spirit can bear fruit. Point number five, I want to get into this. Point number five is the 17 things that keep you from heaven. There's 17 things that the Bible lists. And, I, and I'm not saying this is an, an exhaustive list where there's nothing else, but there are 17 things that keep you from heaven. And it's listed out in Ephesians. Go to the book of Ephesians with me in the fifth chapter. Ephesians chapter five. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter five, not Ephesians. I keep saying Ephesians. Galatians chapter five, go to the 19th verse. Well, go to this, go to verse 16, Galatians five and verse 16. I say then, did I say that wrong? No, Galatians five. I, I think I keep saying Ephesians. I may not have, but I, I think I kept saying Ephesians. Galatians chapter five, verse 16. I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. There's constant war going on within your members, constant war going on within you against the enemy and the enemy against you. The Holy Spirit is not a, not trying to win a battle, but the spirit and the flesh are constantly fighting against each other to take the upper hand. The only one, the only thing, and, and he's not a thing. The Holy Spirit, that who he who lives within you, the greater one who lives within you, is the only one that has the power to overcome the power of darkness in your life. It's going to take a stronger force. It's going to take an ability from heaven to get you into a place to overcome darkness in your life. He said, he said uh, continuing on verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit of God or the, by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Now here's 17 things that the Bible lists out, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, those, this is an important word, those who practice, he's not excluding the Christian world. In fact, this book is written to the church at Galatia. He's writing to the Galatian church and explaining to them that this is applicable to any person that participates in any of these particular things. Beforehand, just as I told you in times past, those who practice, those, any encompassing person who practices such things will not inherit, which you have an inheritance of. The kingdom of heaven is your inheritance. As a son, child, daughter of God, you are a inheritor of the th kingdom of God but will not receive your inheritance. I want to say this clearly so you don't miss the point and you don't stray off to think that there's some fine print that doesn't include you within this. We, we talked about in, a t in times past in a previous, uh, one of our previous devotionals in the morning, we talked about the big letters if, I and F. It's not once saved and always saved. Colossians 1, 21, 22, and 23. Go back and read those when you get a chance. He said, if you will walk in these things, if you stay in the faith and the confidence and the hope of the expectation of the work of Jesus, if you stay in these things, you will inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom, the inheritance of the kingdom of God is not a guarantee to those who do not walk according to the word of God. There are, it is an inherited based on performance not based on you just speaking a gift. Now, the inheritance is, is contributed to you or it's assigned to you or it's made available to you by no work that you can do. You cannot inherit the things of God by any work that you can do. But you keep your inheritance or you keep yourself accessible to the inheritance by keeping yourself in the spirit. He said this, I'm not saying this to you. This is not my opinion. This is not my feelings, how I think about it, what my opinions are. This is what the word of God says, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom. You will not receive your inheritance. You didn't get your inheritance by any work that you do, but you will lose your inheritance by something that you do or choose not to do. Let that sink in for a minute. You There's nothing you could do to gain your inheritance, 
but it is up to you to keep your inheritance. Write that down if you're taking notes. There is nothing that you can do to gain your inheritance from God, but it is up to you to keep your inheritance. It's what the Bible just told us. I don't know how you could translate that, understand it any differently. It is clearly written in the word is that you will lose your inheritance by any of these things being involved in your life. Make this clear, make it as clear as day in your life as uh, much as possible. So let's go through these as quickly as possible. Number one, adultery in the Greek is moishia, which means unlawful sexual relations between men and women, single or married. Unlawful sexual relations between anybody is what adultery is. That will keep you out of heaven. Fornication of any sort. I want Before I go through the rest of these, these 17 points are broken down into four groups that we can break down. I got these from my commentary book, The, the Dakes. I recommend it if you... Um, have don't have a commentary book or you don't have a study Bible that you can have, you know, commentary in. And again, refer back to your pastor. If if you're listening, you don't come to my church. If you need to have a pastor so you can be groomed properly in the word of God, uh, properly trained in the word of God and and divide the word of God properly. But uh, a good commentary is the Dakes. There's a couple things that with, when it comes to the end times and the order of things that I don't, uh, see eye to eye with him based on my pastor and, our, and who's over our house, our church. Uh, but anyway, th- that's besides the point. But in, w- that's where I got these four divisions of these particular things that break down these 17 points. They break into four categories. Category one is the sins of lust. There's four of those points one through four. Number two, category two is the sins of impiety or or superstition. Uh, that's there's that's points five and six. Number five or number point number three is the sins of your temper, your attitude, your, your, uh, your temperament. Uh, There's nine of those that's seven through 15. And then two sins of the appetite, uh, fourth category are sins of your appetite or your, your, uh, your natural, uh, um, your ability to, to eat or to drink or whatever the case is. And there's two, two of those. So let me break the first four down. This is the sins of lust, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. Lasciviousness really sums up the top three. And I'll read that definition to you. Lasciviousness is the prompting or promoting or partaking of that, which tends to produce lewd emotions. So it's not just physical. It's emotional as well. It affects your brain. It's how you think, how you process thought, what you attempt to do. He said uh, that tends to produce lewd emotions, anything tending to foster sex and sin and lust. This is why many worldly pleasures have to be avoided by Christians so that lasciviousness may not be committed. Uh, It's a wantonness, a a lasciviousness or a, a lewd desire for things. Again, there's four in this category, uncleanness, which this is opposing purity, including sodomy, homosexuality, lesbianism, pederasty, bestiality, and all other forms of sexual perversion. These four lustful sexual sins and lustful sins will keep you out of heaven, private and public, with someone, without someone. Make these notes for yourself. Number five idolatry so number the second category is the sins of impiety or impiety and superstition these are there's two of these number five and six is idolatry and witchcraft idolatry in the greek it means image worship idolatry includes anything on which affections are passionately set extravagant admiration of the heart powerful 
where your passions are. We've read this in James, the first chapter, where your desires go, sin is to follow that. Your only desires, your passionate desire is reserved for one, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, your Father in heaven, the true garden, gar- gardener that protects your garden. That is the one that your desires should be set on. So Dylan, can I not love anybody? Can I not have a passion for anybody? No, you can have a passion for someone. You can have a wife, a husband. You can be married. You can be in love with somebody. But your first love, your first desire above anything, not just equal to. If you would do something for your spouse before you would do it for God, there's a problem and you've got to get that straight. If you have a bigger desire for something in your life to reach a pinnacle of your career, to go higher and excel in life in certain degrees, to get your stature to a certain level, and that's a passionate desire of yours above God, there's a problem. You're going to have an issue. That's idolatry. It's above anything, putting anything above God. That extravagant passion and desire is reserved specifically for God. That's the best way to put it. Extravagant worship or extravagant passion and desire is reserved for God. It's not That's not allowed on anything else. There's a Christian appetite that you must put on that's a Christ follower appetite that you have to change around. Not my opinions. These are not what I think for you. This is what the word of God said. These things will keep you out of heaven. But I thought the gift of God, the, the work of Jesus is freed everybody. It's completely freed everybody. It's freed every person that will receive it. It's completely free to you, completely free to me. But it is not free to keep. It takes work to keep the gift. Once it's given to you, it doesn't mean that you'll never drop it. That's like saying someone hands you a birthday cake, a beautiful birthday cake. They made it for you, it was gifted to you but saying that you, there's nothing that could go wrong with it because it was gifted to you. How stupid, how, how ignorant that would be to think that because Jesus's gift to you was completely free, that there was nothing you could do to spoil it. No, there's nothing you can do to ruin the gift, but there's something that you can do to lose the gift. You can do something in your life, the, according to the Bible, not my opinion, according to the book of Galatians in the fifth chapter, you can lose your inheritance that's been freely given to you. Uh, Point number five, idolatry. Point number six is witchcraft. This one's important. Sorcery or practicing of dealings with evil spirits, magical incantations and casting spell and charms upon one by means of drugs, uh, drugs and potions of various kinds. Now, it's important here uh, that you understand that these things are not just limited to black magic of sorts or, you know, you think of like enchantments and sorcery. This, This means manipulation as well within this. There's various kinds of, of, of spells and charms that you can put on, like manipulating or trying to deceive people. That's witchcraft, and that falls within this category, being that type of person. A Christian ought have not have any sort of this type of attitude or culture in them. Now, I'm not condemning you if, you're, if you experience or walk through any of these sins or these things. It's not a condemnation message to you. I'm a, this is a warning to you and to me that we cannot walk in these things and expect to inherit heaven. Can't have both. You've got to eliminate these things from your life. Number seven. Now, these next points, these are the sins of temper. So these have to do with your attitude from you personally. Number seven is hatred, a bitter dislike, abhorrence, malice, and ill will against anyone, tendencies to hold grudges against or be angry at somebody. Number nine, 
emulations. In the Greek, it's zeloi, which means envies, jealousies, striving to excel at the expense of another, seeking to surpass and outdo others. Just think about that for a second. If that's your personal, that's where your desire, your temperament is, is to surpass and outdo others. I've struggled with this in my life. I'm not confessing that's what I'm struggling with, but if there's certain things that the enemy can put in your life that you'd have to deal with and contend with stronger than other things. This is one of those things that I've had to deal with in my life is comparing myself to other people, uh, dealing with these particular things. And so when, uh, when, when he says here, when I read that seeking to surpass and outdo others, that's an evil desire. That's emulation. That's you trying to be greater than in the comparison, in the race and spectrum of somebody else. That's, a, that's not a Christian attitude. That's not a Christ-like nature that you have within yourself, that you should have allowed in your life. That should be something that you cut off, seeking to surpass and outdo others. Uncurbed rivalry spirit in religion, business, society, and other fields of endeavor. So uncurbed, unrestricted, where you have this rivalry of spirit, where you, you, you desire to compete against someone. Uh, that's a sin against God. It will keep, this will keep you out of heaven? Dylan, how dare you say that something like that type of, at, just an emotional thing like that. It's not a, I'm just feeling a certain way. Not my words, friend. Not my ideas. Not my opinions. The word of God is telling us these things, this type of attitude, an attitude will keep you out of heaven. A certain type of attitude could keep you out of heaven. God will not have any gods before him. Our God will not have any gods, including you in your own life. You idolizing your own life. You prioritizing your things in your life. God will not have your life before him. Your goal to be who God's called you to be is not who God wants before him in your life. Your desire, your heart should be to God. I want to please God. I want God, I want you. It's not even that it's not even about me and what I do. My heart is for you, God. My heart is I want you. I want to be close to you. Whatever that takes. Whatever it comes uh, uh, means for my life. Number 10 is wrath. Wrath. And the Greek is thumos, which means wrath, which means anger. Indignation, fierceness, turbulent passions, domestic and civil turmoils, rage, determined and lasting anger. You ever had determined anger where you're so peeved at something you're so angry you're gonna have your way that you ever experienced that i'm not saying if you've experienced these things that you're not going to make heaven but this type of thing unrestricted in your life unpurged in your life will restrict your access to heaven is what the bible tells us number 11 strife again uh, we're going through um uh, the nine sins of tamper of temper rather we've got a couple more to go strife which means dis, disputations, jangling, which I don't know what that means, strife about words, angry contentions, contest for superiority or advantage, strenuous endeavor to equal or pay back in kind the wrongs done to one. Man, that's a tough one. 
that's a tough one. I'm not saying I'm dealing with that. I, I really, I don't. But he said, uh, strenuous endeavor to equal or pay back in kind the wrongs done to one. You could call that revenge. You could call that revenge. Someone's just done you wrong at work in your life, and you're gonna get you're gonna get your way. You're gonna you're gonna make things right. Not that's not an attitude that God wants in His people. That's not an attitude God wants to find in His garden. Number twelve: seditions, divisions, parties and factions, popular disorder, stirring up strife in religion, government, home, or any other place. Got to be careful with this kind of stuff. Dividing people. You Could you imagine you're one that's found in God's garden dividing his garden? How quick he's going to rip you out of his garden. He doesn't want people dividing his garden. He doesn't want people divide. When I, when I ref, refer now in this context of our devotion, the garden, I'm referring to his church. That's his garden he's going to protect his church and and there's not the, anything that's going to come against it i watched a video my pastor showed me from dr rodney howard brown uh it, it with him saying you better be careful sending a warning to america and to anybody that messes with the church don't come against god's church don't come against the body of christ you can say what you want to say. You can act however you want to act in civil matters and government matters we know the government's corrupt don't touch the church. Don't come against the body of Christ. God has a problem with that. And you come mess with the church. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not bothered by it. But God's bothered by it. God's bothered when you come and mess in his garden. Don't mess with his garden. Stay out of his garden. Stay out of his fruit. You mess with the government. You mess with the rest of the world. But don't mess with his church. So seditions does that. There's causes divisions within in things. Number 13, heresies, uh, which is false doctrine and things like that. And number 14, envyings, big one in the body of Christ today, envyings, pain and ill will, jealousy at the good fortune or blessings of another, the most base of all degrading and disgraceful passions. You see someone else gain you coming against yourself because you don't have what they got. You think God can only do it for them, but he can't do it for you. So you're envying of somebody else's something. That's saying you you have disbelief in the ability of God to grow you because he could grow somebody else. Or you see someone else succeeding or getting better at something. This is what the commentary says. The most base of all degrading and disgraceful passions. The most based one. This is the most disgraceful thing to think that God would do for them and not for you. What a shame. You're in the garden. You're a part of the body of Christ. Why wouldn't he do it for you if he's going to do it for somebody else? Number 15, murders. To kill, to spoil, or mar the happiness of another. Hatred. Remember what we're talking about. These are emotional. This subject here is the sins of temper. Your, your, your attitude. Murders. You could. It still applies to physical murders. But this means to mar the happiness of another to murder the potential that someone sees, or you could say this to limit the hope that someone sees of a future It's murder. You're murdering that person's ability to have faith and confidence in what God can do and severing that tie for them. God won't allow that into his heaven. He won't allow that, that you will lose your inheritance with that type of attitude. Finally, the, the last two things is uh, appetite, which goes to eating and drinking drunkenness, living intoxicated, a slave to drink, Drinking bouts, alcoholic, um, 
stay away from alcohol in general. You know, you can't dabble in a couple things and not expect to get entrenched in it and not expect to sometimes overdose in the things that you do. And this drunkenness, I know he's given commentary on this, this particular Dake's translation of the of uh, commentary here, but you don't have to limit that to just alcoholic intoxication. Being drunk with any type of thing where you become overdone with it, don't do it, including alcohol. It doesn't exclude that. And finally, revelings. Lasciviousness and boisterous feastings with this obscene music, other sinful activities, pleasures, and carousings. So parties, essentially, clubs and partying, that's not for the Christian. That's not the type of lifestyle God wants the Christian to participate in, to where you get, now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with fellowship and gathering of Christian people and dancing and celebration. There's nothing wrong with that. We see Jesus went to weddings. Jesus participated. I'm not saying he, he got crazy and like what you see today happening in a lot of these places, there's modesty to these things, but he's talking about where sinful activity and pleasures occur, which probably relates to the first five that we talked about within these parties and events that happen within the Christian. You're not to be a part of these things. That's not for the Christian to touch. Well, Dylan, it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, I don't care what you think about it. You will not inherit the kingdom of God with these participation and things. You can feel any way you want about it. You can go up and down and your emotions can be strewed about it. I'm not going to participate with my friends in some of these things. Good. Sever the relationship. Unless you just don't want to get your inheritance, then you sever that relationship. And you sever that relationship without looking back at it longingly like, look what I'm missing out on. Give me a break. That's disdaining. That's dis- that's, that is despisable to God. God despises you looking back on something and desiring it more than the future that he holds for you in his hands. Finally, number six, let's get into this last point. Number six, the nine fruits for walking in the spirit. There's nine fruits that come from walking in the spirit of God. If you just turn your Bible for time's sake, I know we went way over today on our normal time, but if you just turn over to uh, verse 22 of Galatians 5, there's nine fruits that one will receive from walking in the spirit and who you become in Christ when you cut out and you sever and you allow God to purge you from things. Now he's already told you what needs to be purged from your life. He already told you what will prevent you from receiving the inheritance that he has for you. He's already communicated this to you. So it's up to you and your choice to commit to these things, but this is what he promises you. I told you I'm on point number four, I think it was, or point number three. There's addition by subtraction. As you sever these things, as you allow God to purge these things from your life, more fruit begins to come. And the nine fruits, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperaments, all the things that come with the fruits of the Spirit begin to pour into your life. And now you begin to experience the greatness of the ability of the Spirit of God being able to come into your life and Him use you for what he's called you to be used for and impact this world with the anointing that he's placed on your life. Powerful. Hope this helped you this morning. This was six points at 6 a.m. Got a lot more than that this morning, but 17 points why you could not make heaven 
with these things in your life. Hope this helped you. Be sure to share this. Go on your Facebook and your YouTube or your Instagram. Share this with somebody. Tell them about this. Share it on your Facebook page and let someone know about this teaching. It'd be great. And as always, be sure to subscribe and like the, the channel. And I love you. I'm thankful for you. And I'll see you on the next live broadcast. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.